Welcome to the Midcast, presented by the Mission Initiative Group of the Baptist Union of Scotland. Each month we will look at some of the key issues for mission in Scotland today. We'll bring you experienced voices, practical insights and unique stories, all focused on the mission of the church in Scotland. Hi there, welcome to the Midcast. My name's Glenn Innes. And it is my privilege to host you for the next 20 minutes. Thanks for taking the time to download this. This today is the second part of a conversation with Aidan Elder. If you haven't listened to the first part yet, I'd recommend you do that. Our conversation in the first part was really around the structures and the processes that Aidan has gone through in church planting in Edinburgh over the last few years. Today we're going to spend some time digging into Aaron's own story and really looking at how he went about preparing, what his calling looked like, how he was permissioned by others to get on with the church planting process. And alongside that, looking at what it means to prepare someone for church planting and what some of the wider consequences might be for us as a church movement, thinking about releasing people into church planting. And finally, he rounds it all off just telling a few stories that are really inspiring to see the way that God has been at work in and through Aaron's ministry over these past few years. Before we get to that, I just want to take a few seconds just to let you know about a conference taking place next week on June the 21st. The Mission Initiative Group are sponsoring an event with Peter Brierley. Peter put together the church survey report that came out in 2016 really looking at all the data over a 10-year period of how the church in Scotland is doing. The idea behind the day is to listen to those numbers and then Alan Donaldson is going to bring some reflection on what those numbers mean. The conference is called Growth Amidst Decline. I'm sure it's an issue that many of you are interested in. You can sign up at Eventbrite. You'll find the link in the show notes below or if you go to the Baptist Union of Scotland website, that's scottishbaptist.com, then you can sign up there as well. We'd love to have you along for what I'm sure will be a really interesting and actually significant day as we gather together. Let's get to the conversation with Aaron. We had spoken previously about the processes that they'd used for church planting and some of the procedural things they had around that. I began this section by asking him, about his own sense of calling as a church planter? Uh, I think, I was thinking about this, I think mainly by accident. <laughs> um, I think all of us can give yeah, that answer, mainly right? by accident. <laughs> I think probably, I think in some ways it's, it was, in some ways it's the way I'm wired. So it was seen by others before it was seen by me. Um, people saying, well, you know, you just, but that's just naturally, you, you want to go out to the market, you want to see people, you know, the church go to new places you want new things to happen that's just the way you do things so something about that i think i've always had a discontent in being in church for too long um so i've always wanted to kind of break out and do you know do new things and, and that's silly to say because what we're doing now is church but but i guess when i think about yeah my my childhood growing up and the things that always inspired me um growing up in manchester especially were things like the eden project um, so people who were just radical faith, kind of living out and embodying it, you know, um, not to say there's not value in the everyday normality, but actually something of, of choosing to put feet, feet to your faith and actually saying, I'm going to go where Jesus sends has always been attractive to me. Um, I'm probably naturally an activist as well and want to 
make stuff happen and do stuff. So I guess a combination of those things. And some of it is, is just I've been fortunate in that I've connected into a church at Central, where as a young adult and as a young leader, I was given opportunity. Um, so I was I was invested in heavily and I was given lots of opportunities to make all my mistakes. And, and that, the combination of those things has meant that um, I've felt empowered to run with the vision, with the dreams that God's given to me. Um, and so in turn, what I'm trying to figure out now is how do I do that for others? How do I go from, you know, being the young upstart who goes and does some new things to actually releasing and empowering others to go and do the same? That, that I, you know, multiplication, that it wouldn't stop with me, but that I'd faithfully pass on what's been passed on to me. Um, so that's some of my journey in terms of, yeah, why I do what I do. I think mainly it's a foundational belief in the local church. You know, I believe that the local church is the way that God's going to transform the world and the way that God is transforming the world. And that, um, yeah, so I want to be part of it. So there was always something in me, a kind of angst of maybe I'll just go and be a missionary in Africa. That's what I thought. And then I thought, but I can't, I can't leave behind this idea of the church. And I remember I used my summers during university to go on nice holidays that were called mission trips. Um, and so I'd get funded by the nice old leaders at church to go to South Africa for the summer um, and travel around and see amazing things and be inspired. And then, and then always think, but how do I do this in my everyday life where I am? And so by the time I was finishing university, I was living out on another scheme on the edge of the city, different place, but they're doing youth work. And then I ended up in ox gangs. And so I think it's kind of just been one of those things. And, and through mainly, I think it being called out and encouraged and permissioned by the leaders above me who've said, you, you can do this, and uh, I see this in you. So how did you prepare for planting? It's really clear that lots of other people have seen that calling on you. Um, you have done an English degree. That, that <laughs> is probably not point one on preparing for church planting, though I'm sure it's been helpful. How, how did you go about preparing? Yeah, so there's been a stack of stuff. I've, I basically um, learned as I've gone, so done it along the way, um, and I think that's probably the only way I could have done it because I, I don't think I could have not started straight away. So I think about it and think, actually, you know, a really healthy pipeline for church planters might look like this and look like this. And then I think of myself and think, but I wouldn't have submitted to that process because I was just itching to go and do it straight away. And so for me, it's always been a hand in hand, um, being in a local context as a practitioner, making disciples, giving yep. stuff a shot, starting youth groups, doing different things trying to make a difference where I am alongside um, being part of various training. So I interned at Central. I was on staff there for four years. Um, and then as I was, as a kind of a church planting kind of agenda rose to the top, um, I've done stuff that supplemented that. So I've, I've just finished a master's with Durham University because I thought it was important to do some theology at some point. Um, I've, I did the Forge course a few years ago. I'm now part of the Forge Scotland team. So that's a, a pioneer course to train and equip missional pioneers and church planters. Um, and then I guess along the way, yeah, I've, I've just kind of looked for opportunities um, to develop and to learn from others and to go and visit other people who are doing good stuff. And so I, in some ways, it's inevitably you kind of make it up as you go along. Um, but also there have been some building blocks in my time at Central work with Forge, my theology degree that have kind of, I guess, added a bit more of a structure and a spine to the stuff I've been doing, helped me have a language for the things that I was already exploring, that kind of thing. Brilliant. Uh, that's really helpful. And I, I think your observation that 
many of the pipelines that we try to create end end up excluding people with the kind of heart that you've expressed that I, I just want to get on and make disciples and and do it but you know we're saying oh no you need to go away for x number of years or x months and and that's a problem so it's it's my suspicion that the future of training church planters and pioneers will look much more like the kind of if you pardon the phrase the a, a, a more messy approach similar to yourself where yeah. it's it's teasing in but there was one point that you made that I think is really critical that that in all of that you were under authority um that you were there were other people who saw it in you and were calling it out of you and th that seems really significant to me as an outsider is that something yeah that you would echo yeah yeah absolutely so it was never it never felt rogue it never felt like i was being naughty and sneaking off to do some new things um it was always completely championed and cheered on by others um and so i, I would say that my the i think one of the primary ways in which i've i've been trained and prepared as a church planter is is through apprenticeship i've been apprenticed so i can you know list off probably half a dozen people who for various seasons and at various stages have have invited me around their life, around their family, around the dinner table, around their working life, around their leadership to come and see what it looks like to lead. Um, and so I've learned to lead, you know, by sitting next to someone in the meeting as they lead it or by being in the conversation about feedback from the preacher who's just preached or by, you know, actually reviewing when we did that street evangelism and the, we all thought it was absolutely terrifying. Why was that? What, what were we learning in the midst of that? That's been the journey along the way. So some of it has been the space to have a go and pioneer something new, but lots of it as well has been the support of people who've had my back, who've given me permission and said, have a go and come back and we'll talk about how it went and, and making sure that um, I think there's, you know, for me, there's been a danger that I would just kind of have a kind of, well, I've got a bit of giftedness, so I'll just put my head down and I'll be busy and hope that some fruitful stuff happens. But people who've actually held me to account in terms of character, in terms of are you growing more like Jesus? Are you growing in a rootedness to Christ? Not just are you being effective on the mission field? Um, I think there's a danger that we can compromise, that we can see, you know, someone young, someone who wants to have a go and just give them permission to go, but don't hold them to account for what they're doing. Um, and, and the bigger question of what God's doing in them. And so, yeah, as much as it pains me, I still think that the most significant work God's done through our church is in me, is what he's taught me in the process. And so stepping out and planting these last two years have been an absolute greenhouse to my faith um, because it's you're exposed. Um, because, you know, when you start reproducing ugly things across the church, you realize it's in you. Um, and so that kind of thing of, of, of you know, self-awareness in leadership and yeah, figuring some of that stuff out, dealing with my own mess has been really, um, has been transformatory. It really has kind of challenged me. You've talked a lot there about the support that you've received. How does that carry on for you in the, in the current, you know, situation? And how do you foresee that into the future as your relationship with Central changes? Yeah, so the main way that we connect now is is through our leadership or primarily through me connecting in. So meeting with some of the teams still at Central and, and now being part of the wider thing called Kern across Scotland. So being part of that and connecting especially with other church planters through that. 
Um, and so, yeah, those are the that are very touch points for me. I think we're still to figure out how does our church still feel part of something bigger. Um, I don't think we've got there yet. I think that's important because I guess there's a danger that if the relationship's only through me, and we're aware of this, if it's only through me or through my leaders and we're not all around in, say, 10 years' time, we're not here, then does the church just become a splint, you know, an independent church? And we don't want to be independent. We want to continue to have a relationship. So I think that's something we're still kind of in process. But um, some of it, I think some of it has been, you know, it's, it's you know, it, we have used the metaphor of, of children leaving home. You have to have your space to then be able to come back and have a new relationship with your parents. So when you come back after university, if you go back or if you go back for Christmas, you have a kind of slightly um, unsettled but new forming relationship with your parents where it's no longer dependency. Uh, and I think we're at that stage now where we're trying to figure out so how do we continue to relate, recognizing that for our church, it's helpful to be connected to a bigger church in the city um, and, and where we came from. But also it's helpful for them to hear our stories. It's helpful for them to learn from what we're experimenting with on the fringes. And so this kind of interplay between, you know, central is is strong um, and, and we sometimes feel weak. But, but we also, where we're fragile, have a flexibility to do new things that can teach and inform and inspire what they do as well on the kind of bigger scale. Brilliant. And, and in terms of you personally, um, you've talked about the ways that you were apprenticed. How will that carry on for you? Uh, or what will that sort of support look like for you personally into the future? Do you know? Yeah, I don't really know. I don't really know. Um, I think it's, it's it's relationship with a few people. I think one of the one of the best things that um, one of the best things that I did that I can take credit for that, um, that at the start of our church plant was that I approached an older couple who are um, the husband is an elder at Central. And, and ask them if they would meet with us once a month to pray for us, me and my wife. Um, and so that's not a formal, you know, part of the church planting thing. It's just for us as a couple, we'd been married a year when we started kind of as a church plant, um, living in the community, leading a church, kind of opening our home up. Uh, and so for us, we've got that space about once a month. We go and they make us dinner and we spend the whole evening and they ask us about stuff and we get to share and complain and talk, you know, share all the stuff that you that you complain about, but keep your kind of, you know, mouth shut the rest of the time we get to open up and, um, and then they pray for us. Uh, and I think that that has been one of the best ways of being supported because it's a thing where me and my wife are kind of in it together. We, we go as kind of, yeah, as disciples to sit at their feet rather than as leaders in the room. So it's just refreshing to be in that kind of environment and to continue to connect with things like forge, things like Kern where, you can be in the room where you can worship in the room where you can be prayed for by others without having to feel responsible. It's so satisfying to kind of be in that environment and kind of switch off and just be in the room. So that's also been, I think, important to keep that stuff going. Fantastic. That's brilliant. What Would you have any stories you would really like to tell us that, that might be inspirational for people? You don't have to, but if you have one or two, that would be great. <laughs> Got loads of inspirational great. stories, Glenn. Um, Come on. Let me tell you, I don't know if I do. I've got, I've got a couple of thoughts. Um, wh what I really love about church planting and why I'm totally like sold on it as an idea is that um, I think it can church plants can reach people that established churches can't. Um, I, I believe that. I believe that they can, they can actually connect with people that established churches, as they are, just don't quite have the capacity and reach to be able to connect with. 
And so a few examples of what that looks like. Um, there are uh, a group of teenage girls. So we, we run a youth group. And through that, we met about, we meet regularly with about 20 local young people, none of whom got any kind of church background. Um, and there were three, three or four girls from that youth group who came along to everything that we did. So we became the sort of social life calendar because they just loved us and loved what we were doing. We'd just come to everything and dead keen, kind of 13-year-old girls. Um, but they were a bit of a nuisance. They'd come to some stuff. And we'd, so we did messy church for young families. And they'd come along and they'd barge the little kids out of the way. And, um, and they were basically a handful. And we were trying to figure out what do we do with these young people? And, uh, and we invited them to take responsibility. We invited them to become young leaders. Um, and so the, one, of the, one of the most amazing things has been the last couple of years, seeing the transformation in the lives of these young girls where they've gone from kind of disgruntled, kind of on the fringes, um, you know, they would always make excuses for being there, but they actually loved being there. Um, so now seeing them as young leaders, working with our kids' ministry, to see them, you know, they've been on our Alpha course, they've not missed a week, they've just been away with us we went on a church weekend away and these three youth we you know with parents permission kind of shipped off for the weekend came with us on the weekend Sunday just gone um we were talking about healing and two of the girls for the first time prayed for somebody else and were praying for healing so to see people take these steps of faith these people who would you know in their situation would never have gone to church had no church background family don't go to church have never been to inside a church building um who are connecting and on this journey of discipleship and are trying to figure out what does Jesus mean and how does that affect their lives for themselves um, is really powerful. I think it's amazing actually to see that kind of thing happening. That's what gets me excited when, when we see people who, who wouldn't have otherwise been reached, being reached by our new local church. Um, and another story from that is a guy um, who's a boxer. So he plays on our football team. That was the link. He, he's an Arsenal fan. He loves football. We invited him along, met him in the local pub came along to our football team um, and he he is part of the slightly sketchy kind of sort of semi-professional Scottish boxing scene, which is um, about as glamorous as you imagine it is. Um, so they, <laughs> they kind of have nightclub sort of Saturday night boxing nights. Um, and, you know, so I've, I've been invited along and thought, do I go along to these and thought, well, you know, well, what would Jesus do? Okay. I'll, I should probably should. So I've gone along to these slightly sketchy kind of nightclub scene sort of things where fights break out. And it feels a little like being back at high school, kind of sex and testosterone kind of in the room. You don't want to catch anybody's eye in the wrong way because you're worried you'll get beaten up by some big guy. So I'm there in the room and, and my mate's about to have his fight. And I'm thinking, like, what am I doing here? Like, what difference has it made other than making it an awkward Saturday night for me to be in the room? Um, and then before his fight, my mate came and found me in the in the crowd and said, oh, I want you to come and pray for me in my corner. So he invited me out. And um, this guy's not a Christian, but but knows I am. And, and he likes to pray. He's been coming along to our football team prayer group. And so he invited me out. And so I stood in his corner at, during his fight. And so, you know, he said to me, um, he said, I need you to pray for me before I fight. So I asked him, well, what do I pray? And he said, oh, I pray that I knock him out. So... So I said, okay. So I, do you know what? This genuinely, Glenn. So I prayed. Um, I think I prayed. This is the most Christian thing I've ever done. I prayed, God, I pray that all of his hard work would come to fruition in the ring tonight. That's what I prayed. Um, and so he, and he, uh, he did win, but, but 
yeah, he won and it was great. And then that wasn't the main thing, but just to be in the corner in that environment thinking, what is good news to my mate Absolutely. on his boxing night? It's that I'm there for him in his corner, um, literally. And so the funny thing was that the rest of the night, he was going over to people saying, do you want him in your corner? Because I just, he just, he just prayed the magic words and I won. So do you want him in your corner? So I then spent the night becoming like the, the chaplain to the, underground slightly sketchy scottish amateur boxing scene so i'm there then the rest of the night in their corners praying for them all before they go out going to the ring and so that kind of things happened and, and this was a guy I then um i then got to marry to his wife last year and um has been around church so it's been cool kind of seeing just the journey with people unlikely people and people who would never have darkened the door of a church even if invited but because we've said we want to meet you where you're at and we believe that there's good news for you wherever you are um, that's been the journey. And so it's been cool kind of seeing these stories of, yeah, of people who are far away taking steps closer. Um, it's exciting to me. That's what I kind of, yeah, that's what I get out of bed in the morning for. Absolutely. That is absolutely fantastic. Now, I'm sure there's a bunch of people listening who've chosen to listen because this was about church planting in Scotland, which is uh, great. Um, what, what would you want to say to those folks what would be your number one encouragement to anyone at church or an individual thinking about church planting yeah um i think it's absolutely essential i think it's absolutely essential i was chatting to someone the other day and this this might be completely made up but they told me as if it was true they told me that um we we would need to plant 600 churches in edinburgh alone to reach just 10 percent of the population so I lead a church now, and um, on a good day, it's maybe 70 people. And we would need 600 churches of 70 people to reach 10% of Edinburgh's population. And so actually, if we're going to reach the nation, if we're going to re-evangelize the Celtic lands, we need to, we need to plant churches. Um, we need to actually do this. Um, so I think that, for me, is a, is a big push, uh, is a big reason why that actually we need to plant churches to reach our nation. Uh, and for me, it's been a really effective way of reaching new people. And then the encouragement I would give, um, if, if this is something that you're thinking about, if church planting is kind of on your radar in any way, um, speak to other people who are doing it. Don't try and figure it out on your own when you don't need to. And so one of the real joys for me has been part of being part of Cairn, being part of Forge, um, learning from others' mistakes so that I don't have to make the same mistakes. You know, it's a joy. It is. I get to make my own mistakes and then other people can learn from them, but I don't have to make the same mistakes that other people have made. So, uh, thank you very, very much for your time. Uh, if people wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, good question. Um, you can get in touch with me by email. You can see our church website. We've got a new website, so I want to give it a plug www.oxgangs.church and so you can check out you know the reality and some um and some a video on there that i'm especially proud of that tells the story of some of the stuff we're doing um and on there you'll find my contact as well um i'm aaron at oxgangs.church um and i'm also on the kern stuff as well but have a look at the kernmovement.com and forgescotland.com to find out more about some of the things i've referenced final question if you had a resource a book course whatever to recommend to people what would you recommend i've mentioned it a few times already I'd, it'd probably be the, the forge pioneer course so i'm part of the team so of course i'm plugging it um but <laughs> but that is has been for me the most valuable resource as a church planter 
um, mainly because it puts you in the room with practitioners, some of whom uh, who have been doing it for many, many more years than I have, um, and who can share their experiences and walk you through. And it's the, for me, it feels like I found my tribe. You know, church planting can feel like, you know, so I'm at home today. I'm working at home today. Most of my people in my church aren't free during the day. It can be quite an isolating experience, trying new things, often coming up against ob- obstacles or failure, or you need other people who are going to have your back, going to pray for you, going to encourage you. I found that both with the Kern stuff I'm involved in, but also with Forge. Um, and so if you're thinking about it, or if you know of younger leaders who might want to explore it, um, chatting to Helen Brough at Forge Scotland about applications, and there's, there's the chance to actually apply now for September. Um, but there was also stuff going on throughout the year in the, that kind of gives you a taste of what Forge does, uh, discovering church planting days, um, Forge Taste the Days, connections with a guy called Alan Hirsch, who's written quite a lot of books on, on the subject of kind of missional thought, um, often the connecting and bringing Alan in as well. So there's loads of opportunities to find out more through Forge. We'll put some of that stuff in the show notes and we'll put some links to Cairn and things in there as well. So if you're listening and that's of interest to you, check the show notes and you'll find all the links there. And thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's been, been a privilege to talk to you. It's been great to hear your story. And we look forward to hearing everything that's going to happen at Ox Gangs. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this. If you have, please, we would really appreciate it if you took time to give us some feedback. You can do that via Twitter or on the Baptist Union of Scotland website or on the Podbean website where you can find uh, the Migcast each time it is released. If you've signed up on iTunes, reviewing us there is really helpful for us to be able to know how we're getting on. We'd love you to do that. And we'll look forward to the next Migcast where you can join us and we'll be joined by Dave Murray, who'll be talking about his understanding of what pioneering is, particularly in his context in Holland. Until then, my name's Glenn Innes. This has been the Midcast. We are out. You've been listening to the Midcast, a presentation of the Mission Initiative Group of the Baptist Union of Scotland.